This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. We're in Isaiah chapter number nine this morning. The Bible says, beginning in verse number one, I ask you to read along with me. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that sat or the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in the harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number six. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. The gift of God's son. The gift of God's son. And I, I want to invite you to pray with me. And as I'm praying, I want you to pray and ask God to open your heart and mind that God would speak to you by his spirit and then pray for those around you who may need the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come into your presence, we come totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit and we ask you to speak to us and through us and through us by your word. I pray that you would empower me and enable me as your preacher today to think only the thoughts that you want thought and the words to be spoken that only you want spoken. And I pray that you would deal with our hearts and encourage us today. Convict and reprove us and draw us to thyself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the last few days I've had the great joy of driving my wife all over Hickory. 
up and down Highway 70 and Lenore Ryan Boulevard on the great chase to find all the gifts for five kids, one son-in-law, and a grandson. A father-in-law, a mother-in-law, and a dear mother. And many others. And I've, I've, I've watched and listened to my wife as she's tried to figure out, does she have all the gifts? And um, as she's prepared and planned for the meal and all the things that go with it. And then as we've been out in the arena <laughs> of battle, <laughs> trying to, to, to find all of these things, um, do we forget what this is all about? Really, that's the challenge for all of us, isn't it? And so we need a heavenly reminder of what this is all about. It's not just simply a day of merchandise and gift giving, a day of fellowship and food, and all those things in themselves are nice and enjoyable in the proper context. But the real meaning of Christmas is the fact that God has given to us His Son. And it's a gift. The Bible said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is the gift of God, given from a heart of love. There are a lot of people out here who... Who, who, who do not think that anybody loves them. I want to tell you, on the authority of God's word, God loves you today. He loves you just as you are. He may not love everything about you, but he loves you. He loves you. And he proved that love in the fact that he gave to us the most precious thing he could give, his son. And he gave his son so that not only might he be born, as we remember at Christmas, his birth, but that he might live, and oh, what a life he lived upon this earth, and that he might die a suffering death on the cross, and oh, what a death he died in our place, and that he might rise again on the third day, and he did so that he could secure for you and I a home in heaven, so that he could secure for you and I a path, a way to, to, to receive his forgiveness for our sin. And so God gives to us a very precious gift. Well, one of the problems all of us have in gift giving is trying to figure out what it is that we should purchase or buy for the person that we love because most of us really don't need anything do we we become a little bit like that Laodicean not a little bit a whole lot like that Laodicean church that was rich and increased with goods and felt like it had need of nothing and those who say well I'm in need of lots of things 
uh, have neglected the most important need of your life, most likely, and that is Jesus and the need of your soul. But we live in that type of age where we live in a very prosperous nation and, and it's very difficult for us to figure out what to buy anybody because most people, most people don't really need anything, if the truth be told. But God in this gift meets the greatest needs of our lives. And I want us to look in this passage this, together this morning. And I just want to give you two thoughts about this child, this son. First of all, I want you to see that he is our Savior. He's our Savior. And then secondly, I want you to see that he is our Sovereign he is, number one, our Savior. He is, number two, our Sovereign. I want you to notice what the Bible says in this prophecy given uh, to Isaiah in chapter number nine. A prophecy that our New Testament reveals uh, was, of course, fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus and his rejection or the rejection of the people in Galilee to the light that they had received. The Lord, of course, spoke of that himself. But I want you to see in verse number two, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. I see two things that the Lord uh, saves us from, what he, he delivers us from here. Uh, first of all, we see that he delivers us uh, from darkness. The Bible said the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Our God is a God who delivers us from darkness. The Bible tells us in John chapter number one that he is the light of the world and that light entered into the world and it shined in the hearts of men. Jesus Christ is the light for the darkness of humanity. And we live in a dark world, don't we? This is a darkness that comes upon us. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Who would have ever dreamed that we would live in a nation that once was built upon the foundation and the principles and the truths of the word of God see in that same nation just in a matter of just over two centuries turn completely away from the principles and the truths it was founded upon. To scoff and ridicule and scorn those who believe the Bible is the word of God. To scoff and scorn and ridicule those who believe that God created the heavens and the earth and spoke it into existence as the Bible records. But today, through our progressiveness, we have learned that we no longer need God. We have learned that the word of God uh, hinders us in our growth and in our advancement as a nation. And therefore, because we have progressed so far, our nation should certainly be at the strongest point in its existence. But yet we find that total opposite of that is true. 
It is because we are living and walking in darkness. The natural man, that is the unregenerate man. That is the man who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. He is referred to here in 1 Corinthians 2.14 as the natural man. He is a man who walks according to his own mind. He walks according to his own thoughts. And his mind and his thoughts alienated from God are very corrupt and very dark. And they continue to be darkened by those uh, who would seek to further deceive them and pull them away from the truth of God's word. The Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. That's what the world considers the message of Christ to be. They don't have a problem with a baby in a manger, but they've got a problem with a risen Savior. They don't have a problem with a baby in a manger, but they have a problem with a sovereign king upon a throne who is the only way to heaven. They have a big problem with that. And that's foolishness to them. In our wisdom, we've decided that marriage can be defined any way that it wants to be. In fact, your identity as a man or as a woman can can be defined in any, any way that you choose. And so in our progression and in our advancement as a society, we've become so confused today, we can't even identify who people are. And the encyclopedia of terms changes every day. You see, we live in a dark world. A dark world. Crime and uh, murder and... Uh, all of the abuses that we have seen throughout history, they're not ceasing. They're only being magnified in this age of so-called enlightenment in which we're living. You see, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs 4 and verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. We live in a world of darkness and in the midst of that darkness came the light of Jesus to give us light, to give us truth, to give us revelation, to give us understanding. He is our Savior who delivers us from darkness. The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If we want truth, if we want revelation, if we want understanding, if we want discernment in these dark days, there's only one place we can receive it, and that is through Jesus Christ. There's a, a famous poem of an Indian missionary wrote the poem, and and. Uh, it's a recitation that some of our students uh, sometimes use in, in fine arts competitions, but it's a very powerful thing. It's the testimony of Amy Carmichael, and, and she's, she's, she's picturing uh, that as a missionary, she is, she is guarding people. She's warning people who are walking in the midst of the darkness uh, headlong into hell. They're heading for a pit, 
and, and they're just marching in the darkness without any knowledge of that pit being in front of them. And she says, I, I'm as someone, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm trying to deter them. I'm trying to stop them. I'm trying to get their attention. I remember years ago, there was a man in our church in Knoxville, Tennessee, who gave a testimony and he said he was traveling on a bridge one evening and he saw up ahead on the horizon, he saw the headlights of vehicles that were ahead of him just disappear. He said, I didn't realize what was going on, but I did see it. And I got my car stopped in time to find out that the bridge that was ahead had collapsed and cars were driving off that bridge. They were falling into that river because the bridge had collapsed. And he said, I got out of my car and I tried to do everything I could to stop them. They were heading headlong in the darkness for destruction. And I want to tell you, that's where this world is heading and that's where you and I were heading until Jesus, the light of the world, came into this world and shed the lights in our soul. Oh, friend, he's our savior to deliver us from darkness. But I want you to notice secondly here, he says, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Not only does he deliver us from darkness, but he delivers us from death. The Bible said it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. I'm 50 years old. I know that's shocking to you. Some of you think I'm 70. I'm 50. <laughs> it's been a rough life. I feel in my mind and body like I'm 19. I don't look like it, but I feel like it. I really do. There are days my body doesn't quite feel that way. I, I still, I, I see my friends, I talk to them from time to time, and I, I think we're 20-year-old kids again. I, I've never really grown up in my mind. Ask my wife, she can tell you. Some of you think all I do is walk around in a suit and tie, real serious, let's have a prayer, and that's all I ever do. But I, we have a great time at our place. We, we enjoy life. I can't believe how quickly it goes. Can you? You see, when you're, when, you're, uh, when you're a kid, I remember driving through Knoxville and seeing the billboards for the 1982 World's Fair. And I said, I remember it. I said to my dad, that's never going to get here. Man, that's come and gone, right? A long, long time ago. You see, when you're in elementary school, what do you want to do? You want to be in middle school. When you're in middle school, you want to be in high school. When you're in high school, you want to be in college. When you're in college, you want to get out of college. When you get out of college, you, don't want, you want to go back to college. <laughs> <laughs> you're always living for the next thing. Let me tell you, we're all heading for death. And you can't escape it. You, I, I'm telling you, you can't reschedule that appointment. It is appointed unto men once to die. And the reason we die is because of sin. When sin was introduced into the bloodstream of humanity, immediately there was spiritual death, and ultimately there was going to be physical death. And so spiritual death, physical death, is a result of sin. And Jesus Christ came into the world to deliver us from death. You see, when Adam sinned in the garden, God moved out of his soul. 
And, and, and the way that you and I can receive everlasting life, as we learned uh, just a few days ago, is to be born again, as the Lord told uh, Nicodemus, to be born again. And the way that we're born again is simply by acknowledging that we're dead. I don't have spiritual life. I'm, I, I have physical life, but I don't have spiritual life. I'm walking in darkness. I need a Savior. Jesus is the only way. I need him. And so I call upon him as the Son of God who suffered and bled and died for me, who rose again the third day, and who is willing to give me everlasting life. I'm calling on him to save me and give me spiritual life. And that spiritual life is everlasting. I cannot lose it. And many of you have received him. But still, in our bodies, the process of physical death moves forward. And that day's coming. It came a few days ago for Willie Teague, who was buried on her 94th birthday. But see, the Lord knew the day she was born, the day she would die, and the day she'd be buried. And because he loved her, he got her to the gospel and she came to Jesus and she got saved. She was in this church for 60 years or more and let me tell you something. When she got saved, God was making arrangements for the day of her physical death so that after she breathed her last breath here, her next breath was in heaven and not in hell. I want to tell you, he's a wonderful Savior. And he came to deliver you from darkness and from death. And all you have to do is come to him. He's our Savior. Let me give you the second thought I have for you this morning. Not only is he our Savior, but he is our sovereign. He's our sovereign. Notice in verse 4, For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. There's a battle taking place. There, there is a, 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 a foe that has come in and has conquered. And, and this foe has to be overthrown. He is, he is an oppressor. Can I tell you who the greatest oppressor the world has ever known is? His name is Satan. He is a liar. He is a usurper. He's a deceiver. He has oppressed many. And so here we find the promise of this son is that he is going to be a sovereign. And notice in verse number six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. I want to tell you, his shoulders are big enough to bear that responsibility. He's the sovereign. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He was born that day in the stables of Bethlehem, the, the rightful king of Israel. On his mother's side, Mary, a descendant of David. On his stepfather's side, Joseph, a descendant of David. He was the rightful heir 
to the throne. He's the legitimate king of Israel. He is the Messiah. But I want to tell you, he's not just the king of Israel. He's the king of ages. He's the king of it all, friend. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our sovereign. And if you know him as savior, then you have made him your sovereign. Now let me just give you some thoughts about our sovereign that we have here in the book of Isaiah. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I just want to talk to you for a minute about our sovereign. The name of Jesus. The name which is above every name. And so here we see some things about him. I hope God will speak to you and encourage your heart. First of all, we see his name shall be called Wonderful. Oh, we sing that song, He's a Wonderful Savior to Me. I think of, uh, of the testimony of the Shunammite in the Song of Solomon as she described him. She described the one that she beloved, of, of the, the object of her love, her beloved. And, and as she described him to the daughters of Jerusalem, uh, they said, oh, listen, we, we got to know where he's at. He sounds really wonderful. He is wonderful. He's a wonderful Savior. Now, the word wonderful means, it, it literally means that he is a miracle, that he is miraculous, that he is a miracle-working God. Now, can I ask you a question? Would you expect, anticipate that God would show up on the scene on this earth and not work miracles? The very fact that he worked them gave evidence that he was who he claimed to be. The Bible tells us in, in the gospel according to John that the things that are recorded in those gospels are given there so that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing we might have everlasting life. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when he came into this world, he came as a wonderful, mighty, miracle-working God. When they heard him speak, they said, never a man spake like this man. When those disciples were out on the sea in the midst of the night and they needed Jesus to deliver them, he came to them. And how did he come to them? He came to them walking on the waves, friend. That's a miracle working God. When the maniac of Gadara, who was a demon-possessed man, and nobody could help him and nobody could tame him, though they had chained him, though they had, they, they had tried everything imaginable to, to bring him under control and to help him, hey, just one visitation with Jesus, and he was delivered. The man who was born blind that was healed, the man who was a leper who was healed, the man born of four who, 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 who was paralyzed, uh, when he came into the presence of Jesus, he was healed, and all of these things were done, and they said, this is wonderful. He's our sovereign. He's a miracle-working God. Oh, just this past week, he worked a miracle. Can I just tell you about it? Jesse Winstead went to the hospital, bleeding from his bladder. They took him into the hospital. They said, Mr. Winstead, you're bleeding. Uh, you've got a blood clot. We're going to go in there, and we're going to take care of this blood clot. Well, when they got in there, they found out he didn't have a blood clot. 
they found out he had a cancerous tumor. And while they were there, they went ahead and removed the cancerous tumor. And they believed they got all of it. And they said, Mr. Winstead, it's very likely you won't have to have chemotherapy, you won't have to have radiation, you won't have to have anything. Can I tell you, God is still at work. God is still at work. Brother Hickman reminded me of, of, of a preacher friend that we have. His name is Mike Curley. He pastors a church in Crossville, Tennessee. He's a great guy. He was visiting somebody in a hospital, I think in Knoxville, University of Tennessee Hospital. He, he, he pulled into the parking lot. He was walking to go into the hospital to visit somebody who was in his church that was there, and a car backing out hit him. Broke his hip. They put him in the hospital. You know what they found out when they began to investigate and uh, do x-rays? They found out that he had bone cancer. It was a broken hip that revealed to the doctors that he had bone cancer. He got the treatment he needed. Went through a great trial. God delivered him. And the man is preaching and faithful to God and working today for the glory of God. I want to tell you, we have a miracle working God. His arm is not short. He's able. He's a miracle working God. Oh, I want to tell you about another miracle. That was a seven-year-old boy growing up in Knoxville, Tennessee, who was lost and didn't have Jesus. But he went to Bible school one day and he heard the message of the gospel and he went forward and he got saved and the Holy Spirit came in his heart and changed his life. And now here he is, 43 years later, preaching to this congregation, a very blessed man. Can I tell you, he is wonderful. He's more than just a baby in a manger. He's a wonderful Savior to me. We notice something else about him. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor. This word counselor means that he possesses the wisdom to rule justly in our lives. He possesses the wisdom to make the right decision. That he has a plan, and his plan is a wise plan. I prayed for a miracle. My mother prayed for a miracle. When I got the call, it said my dad had been diagnosed with multiple myeloma. But God, who is the counselor, in his wisdom, decided he was going to do a miracle a little different than the one I wanted when he just took my dad home to glory. I have to trust God with that decision. Some of you suffered great heartaches. You're dealing with troubles and trials in your life and you're wondering why in the world is this happening to me? Can I say to you that his name is Counselor? That he knows and possesses the wisdom to fulfill his ultimate plan in your life? And dear friend, if he is your Counselor, then you have to trust that Counselor and follow it. That's Jesus. He won't lead you astray, will he? He will not forsake you. He is faithful. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, 
a son is given. He's our savior. He's our sovereign. He's wonderful. And he is our counselor. We watch in the news with just, I think we've even lost our shock over what we see. It's happened so much. And we wonder how could it have ever gotten to this point? But I'm going to tell you, friend, on the authority of God's word, it is going according to God's plan, and he is a just counselor. And his plans will not be overthrown by any scheme of hell. Notice another thing about our sovereign. Not only is he wonderful, not only is he counselor, but he is the mighty God. Don't you like that term? The mighty God. I think about old David, don't you? Going down there to face Goliath. And Goliath is a man over 10 feet tall, this giant warrior. And uh, his, his weaponry is so big you can't hardly lift it. And here's David, just a little boy, just a young teenage boy. Uh, probably, probably not to, you know, in any way in the shape of a, of a combat warrior. But he's been through some things and, and God's used him in some mighty ways, so I don't want to sell him too short, but he's no match for this guy, Goliath. And Goliath watches him come down there with that sling and that shepherd's staff, and he mocks him. And he says, you're coming to me uh, with that little uh, sling and that little shepherd's staff, and here I am, a mighty warrior, and I, I've, got the whole, I've got the whole army of Israel up there on the side of that hill with their their knees knocking because they're afraid of me and here you're coming to me this way. You're insulting me. He, David said, let me tell you something. I'm not coming to you in any other name but the name of the Lord. Amen. And brother, when he let go of that sling, it was, it was guided like a heat-seeking missile to the forehead of that giant and down he went. I want to tell you, friend, we have a mighty God who is able to accomplish everything he desires to accomplish in our lives and he will desire it and no enemy, no foe can ever vanquish what God wants to do in your life. He's a mighty God. Not only does he possess the wisdom to know what's best for you and I, but he possesses the power to make it happen if we'll trust him. His name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Now this is not to confuse, the, to say that the Son is the Father. That is not what this is saying. What this is telling us is, is that Jesus is the Eternal One. Uh, this word father literally means originator. Can I say this to you? That Jesus, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, is the author. That's the originator. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Can I tell you that the father of eternity, the one who gives us everlasting life, is Jesus. Can I tell you the great miracle that the Lord did for my dad? He delivered him from this body of death. He put him in the place called heaven, and I'm going to see him again. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. And the good news is we'll never be separated one from another ever again. What a glorious thing. He's a wonderful Savior. The Prince of Peace. We live in a world that is 
anything but peaceful. We live in a nation that's anything but peaceful. All of our recent technological inventions have, have not served in any way, I don't believe, on a broader scale to make us better, but only to divide us. Not to spread so much the message of love, but to spew the message of hate. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And without him, friend, there'll be no peace. Now, I want to tell you how he brought peace. He brought it the only way it could be brought. He went to battle. And who did he go to battle with? He went to battle with Satan. He went to battle with death and hell. And I want to tell you, he overcame triumphantly sin and Satan and death and hell. He crushed the head of the serpent. And he, because he has won the victory, now as sovereign extends the terms of peace to all who will receive him. If you just simply come to him, you'll be at peace with God. And then not only will you be at peace with God, but you'll have the peace of God. The peace of God is what is missing from the hearts of so many. Jesus is the peace giver. He's our Savior, and He's our Sovereign. As Savior, He comes to deliver you from darkness and to deliver you from death. Will you come to Jesus? and allow him to be your savior. He wants to save you. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He wants to save you. And then if you've made him your savior, he is your sovereign. I would say this though, many of his subjects don't necessarily live as if he is their sovereign. I want you to know that you can trust Jesus. You can, you can enjoy and experience him in the fellowship uh, of his dear son as, as, as is described for us here in verse number six, that he's wonderful, that he's a miracle working God, that he's your counselor, that he has a plan and purpose for your life, that he is the mighty God who is able to bring that purpose to pass. He's the everlasting father who has an eternal plan for you and will impart to you eternal life. And he is the prince of peace. All you must do is trust him and obey him and follow him. And the world so desperately needs this gift of the Son. And maybe you're here this morning and you desperately need it. I want to invite you this morning not to live past another Christmas without knowing the true meaning of it found only in the person of Jesus. And it's available to you. Salvation is available. I've so many times said, as a boy, I remember my mom would have presents under a Christmas tree and those presents would have names on them and I would look through all those gifts trying to find the ones with my name on it. 
in anticipation of opening it up. I want to tell you, friend, Jesus has a gift with your name on it. It's the gift of everlasting life. It's the gift of the forgiveness of sin. It is the gift of deliverance from darkness and death. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.